This episode is brought to you by Mad Call Festival. Probably Madrid's biggest and best festival, Mad Call is returning once again this summer and it's going to be one to remember. Not only will there be massive names like Dua Lipa, Janelle Monet, Bring Me the Horizon and The Killers playing, because who doesn't love a bit of Mr Brightside after a day of pints in the sun? There'll also be tons of new buzzy acts like Nia Archives, Crawlers, Kneecap and Picture Parlour scattered across the bill too. Obviously, with it being in Madrid, there'll be plenty of ace Spanish artists to check out across the weekend. Plus, heading to a festival like this is the perfect chance to get a good dose of sunshine and culture, all while getting to watch some of your favourite bands and necking a cheeky sangria or two. This year's Mad Cool Festival takes place from the 10th to the 13th of July in Madrid, and tickets can be purchased now over at their website, madcoolfestival.es. Hello and welcome to Before They Knew Better, the podcast from DIY Magazine. I'm Lisa Wright. This is... Giles Bidder. It's Giles Bidder. Um, And today we have the excellent pop extraordinaire. She was our Eurovision entry this year. She's just released a cracker of an album. It's Mae Muller. Mae Muller. Sorry I'm late. When she was here, we asked May, as we will be asking all of our guests, to bring in one photo, one song and one object of their choosing that represent important, funny, perhaps uh, wistful, nostalgic moments from their youth and teenage years. And May, safe to say, she delivered. So let's hand over to May Muller. Thank you for listening to this newest episode of Before They Knew Better with DIY Magazine. Hope you enjoy. May Muller, hello. Thank you so much for coming on Before They Knew Better, our DIY podcast. How's your day going today? Hello. My day is it's very nice. I've just been doing bits and bobs you know pop star bits and bobs or regular bits and bobs regular bits and bobs some pop star bits and bobs but right now i uh i was just watching real housewives of beverly hills so it wasn't so uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i was almost in some downtime okay yeah, yeah you need very, it we all need it yeah exactly we all need it you're a big reality tv gal I am like I go through my phases but I do I I find it quite nice to like it's a nice escape Mm. I actually find it really quite calming and peaceful to watch even though a lot of reality tv is like full of sort of people fighting with each other (laughs) I don't know I just it's that sort of stuff that you don't have to really think too much about when you're watching it which is sometimes quite nice yeah also maybe I always find with those sort of things that you watch it and you go oh maybe I'm actually just really normal and calm and sane and it actually gives you like quite a nice sort of confidence boost about your own yes anything that makes me feel sane I'm like yeah love this when was the first time you thought I'm gonna do an album I mean I imagine it's always been in the back of your mind but when was the first this is gonna be the time It's really weird because there wasn't really ever a moment where I was like, okay, like from now on, like I'm going to be writing for my album or, you know, it, it, there was never really like a start to it. And there was never really like a, an end. It was just like, you know, I was making music and just figuring out how, how I liked to express myself and what I wanted to say, like what my message was. And, um, you know, over the course, there's some, like, there's some songs on this album that I wrote like four years ago. So it's like, I feel like I was just writing because I feel like I had things to say. And and then, you know, about 
a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, that's when we started thinking about, you know, an album, but it wasn't like, okay, now I have to write an album. I was like, I feel like I have songs already that I, that I really want, want to be on there. So then I kind of built on that, but I can't really remember the start of it. It just sort of was always kind of happening and it was always sort of in my in the back of my mind is that why it's called sorry I'm late because it's been a long time coming or just because you're quite a sort of perpetually late person (laughs) I guess there's I mean I I I love the whole like tongue-in-cheek thing and I feel like I in a lot of my writing I kind of play on that and I think in in a kind of tongue-in-cheek way it was my way of going you know it took a while for me to get here and it took a lot for me to get here, but I'm here now and I'm not going anywhere. Not and on the, on, the, on the cover art, you know, it's me sat at a dinner table and then there's like all these other characters that sort of like Last Supper vibes and all the other, they're all different versions of me and they all represent a song on the album, but it also represents like, you know, the parts of like who I am, like who I once was, like what it took for me to, to get to this, you know, place. And then in the center, it's me as I am now today, yeah. thriving amongst nice. all of it. It just felt really like a full circle moment and being able to like see it now. I'm like, it really kind of expresses that and expresses like, yeah, I'm, I'm here in a state. Did you have fun doing that album artwork? Did you do all those, all those looks in one day? It was a two day shoot, but it wasn't like we split the looks into like seven looks one day, seven looks the other, because we had to do one shoot, which was video and the second shoot was just pictures so we had to do 15 looks each day and they're not just like little changes it's like wigs like changing the wigs like completely different (laughs) glam like crazy outfits it was two 18 hour days what's your favorite what was the one what was the costume you stepped into and you were like this is a bit of me this I loved the, there's um, the Me, Myself and I character, which is, um, she's sort of got like a beehive and she's in like a power suit. Cause I just like, that's what that song is all about. It's about feeling empowered and like nice. in control. And um, that is how I really, it was really how I felt in that outfit. And um, there's, there's a song called Breathe on the album and her, she's more of like um a subdued character and she had this like she's got this middle part like long like dark kind of like Cher-esque wig on and I just felt really like I I felt like Cher I was like I love this (laughs) um is that part is that like a fun part of the whole pop star experience for you I feel like if I the one like I cannot sing I should never be put onto a stage but the idea of sitting there and doing the glam and getting to sort of serve the looks seems like like yeah it is really fun because it's just another way you can express yourself I feel like obviously there's certain pressures that come with that but I think once you kind of just have fun with it and go you know it is just another way to show who you are like how you feel Mm. like how you can feel sort of liberated and you know, empowered and sexy and beautiful and confident, you know, and I think there's so many ways you can do that and it can be different depending on the day. So I, I, I've always found like a lot of joy in the whole like glam experience and even just with like nails and like accessories. I've always, I've always kind of enjoyed exploring with that. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice bonus that it's sort of, it can be part of the job really. Yeah. Dressing up box as yeah, a... Exactly. 
as a career angle. And obviously, I mean, I'm guessing, so if this has been a long time coming, tracks were from several years ago, obviously there was a pretty large thing that happened in your life, just in the middle of all of this oh, run yeah. up. Like, like what I would imagine for the Eurovision, you just put everything on pause for however long that lasts. Like, did it feel just like a mad bubble yeah so it was insane so the me myself and i campaign like so the single that is out now um that was gonna be like the kickstart to like the album campaign and we had shot the video everything was ready and literally we were on the day we were gonna we were gonna announce me myself and i but we were sort of waiting for the eurovision news and Mm. But it was like going to be the day that we were going to announce me, myself and I. So we were like, you know, we need to sort of know if it's like confirmed or not. And it was. So like from the the drop of the hat, like everything was moved. Like we had all the album was basically ready. Like we had a music video. But um, obviously I understood why. And I was was like, if we have to move everything, you know, five, six months, like let's do it. Because by the time we get to that point, it'll be worth it. And it was so perfect that, you know, after Eurovision had ended like we had everything ready to go we had the album the album cover art we had the trailer for the album we had the music video we had the single so it wasn't like I feel like that experience and you know that experience coming to an end would have been way more scary if then I was like all right now what like what Mm -hmm. do I do how do I follow that up but we just came straight with like all right here's an album, like, here's this, here's a tour, you know? Uh, and so that just felt really, really good that I could just get straight back into it and and kind of, obviously, because there's a buzz around it and I and I felt like I had something to offer and I had something to, like, ride the wave with, you know? All of that. I mean, obviously, you were absolutely robbed and we're all very much <laughs> Team May here. But, like, I think even aside from that, like... I don't know. I think you handled it amazingly well. I think like it's been funny. You could have easily just been like, oh, fuck, and just sort of buried your head in the sand for a bit. Whereas actually it seems like you've sort of done the exact opposite and just been like, lol, that was fun. Here's more of what I do. Here's a record. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, like there was no shying away from the fact that, you know, it was really afterwards, like it was really intense, but I only allowed it. Like I, I allowed myself to kind of really wallow in it for like a day. I was yeah. like, I have to give myself a day to just like process, like be upset. And then, then after that, I was like, cool, that's done. Like, and the second I started taking control of like that narrative and like owning it in my way, hmm. I just, I felt like free again. And I felt like it wasn't the end of the world and actually everything is fine. <laughs> so it was really nice to be able to kind of come out the other end and, and it was all, also, it was like such an amazing experience and I gained so much from that and I met some amazing people. And so it was definitely, it's all, it's all worth it, you know? And I feel like there were, there was a lot, I, I, you know, I gained a lot and I, there were a lot of wins as well, I think. Yeah. No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a wild thing. You can look back in a few years and then every year that goes past you're going to remember that wild year that you had yeah I know I know it's going to be so interesting watching it next year as well um what's I mean, it from, like? our, from our point of view from a fan's point of view it's so cool to have you be the Eurovision UK entry and then your your album your, your personality with your stamp with you and that was really important to me because obviously with Eurovision like it's not like you can't be yourself and you have to but like there is a certain you have to respect the process and 
you know, you're sort of like working with the BBC and things mm. like that, which is like amazing. But you, you know, there were some, cause I'm quite outspoken and I'm a bit of a, you know, I say <laughs> things not, not harmless, but like there was a part of me which felt like I had to kind of like censor and like be sensible and like not be completely. And I think obviously a bit of that was coming from me and like in my own head, because when you've got millions of people looking at you, like I did feel a bit like, let me just hold back a bit. And so now it's really nice to kind of not be in that headspace. And with this album, I can just like say, say what I want, like, and be like 100% just like myself again. It feels good. Yeah. What's it like on the inside? Is there any like, like, I think, you know, we see the kind of big sparkly Eurovision show. Are there any other, are there any bits when you were doing it where you were like, this is not what I expected the Eurovision Song Contest to be? I mean, I didn't know what to expect. Like from, from like, I, d- I just had no idea. I think, I mean, it it was, a, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. It's just so <laughs> much. Like I can, there's no other way to describe it. Like it is just you're on 100 like you're going a million miles an hour from from the word go it's like okay like you're on you are on and you will not stop for the next three months and but that's what it takes like to get through it and to do it properly like that's what it takes and you just you have to just be in that mindset where it's like all right I'm living and breathing Eurovision now like that's it Um, and once and once you tap into it and you, you accept that you like you get into it and you know, it's good. Did you have some surprising people reach out to you that took you by surprise? What was your wildest encounter? Didn't Lana Del Rey like tweet about wishing you luck for it? (laughs) That was like, I mean, it was so, it was so crazy. Like Lana Del Rey and then, you know, like Sam Smith was really vocal and and supportive I mean there was so many people and then afterwards like after the final you know I was feeling a bit sorry for myself and everything and then um Graham Norton who I have loved since I was you know how like since I can remember and like his show I'm just obsessed with I think he is like the pinnacle of just like showbiz and I just love him and he posted me on his Instagram and like wrote a really lovely message and then messaged me afterwards and I was just like oh my god I was like, it was all worth it because Graham posted me. <laughs> but it was just little pinch me moments like that, which were like really felt really special. And yeah, just kind of, I did feel a lot of, I did feel a lot of love for sure. And obviously I will speak about Eurovision and people want to hear about it. And that's, and I, I love it. I know. And I like talking about it, but for me, it's like, that is just something that I can talk about, but the future is the focus now. And that's what I can sort of, that's where my like head is at. Speaking of the future. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, speaking of the future, let's make you talk at length about your childhood and things that happened a really long time ago. Because <laughs> we've got this great photo of you. Oh, yes. It's pretty good. What's this? Please tell us what's the story behind it. The story behind it is I, I think I must have been about six, just turned six, maybe even five. And I just got the urge to just give myself a makeover and um, chop my hair off. But I remember doing it and I was sort of, I did it in my bedroom and I was trying to hide the bits of hair like behind my bed. (laughs) Cause I thought my mom would be really angry and she actually thinks it's like the chicest haircut I've ever had. (laughs) And it's like, you know, a sort of, and can I just say, 
I will just say, I think I sort of was before my time because it was sort of like, I kind of cut myself this fringe, which was a bit janky and like, was sort of rested like halfway down my forehead. And I feel like that's kind of chic now. Well, yes, it's definitely before the Zoe Dashnell time. Do you know what I mean? So maybe maybe <laughs> I was a sort of low-key trendsetter, but yeah, the photo I do look like I've, you know, been dragged through a hedge backwards. I think my favourite thing about this picture is just how chuffed with yourself you look. Like there is no <laughs> sense of embarrassment or shame. You're just like, I've, I've got this. I, I've nailed it. I don't know why I did it, but I just, but I remember having like no fear about it or no like, oh my God, like what's it going to look like? I was like, this is the best idea ever and it's going to look amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Is that sort of indicative of what your personality was like when you were a six year old? Yeah, for sure. I think, I do think back to like when I was a kid to when I was a teenager, it's like, oh my God, like I was just so fearless. And I think that is for a lot of people, like, the stuff I did when I was younger, I'm like, I would not dream of doing that now because you just don't have any fear when you're younger or you have a lot less fear, I guess, because you have, you know, you've had less time to kind of experience some like, like consequences and like people, you know, people <laughs> judging and all that. I think it, I just, I remember just, I was quite a fearless child and, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was never afraid of kind of embarrassing myself or, um, you know, looking slightly different or what, you know, I was kind of a, I was an odd looking thing for a long time. <laughs> That's a good way to be not fearless of that stuff. Yeah, I know. I mean, I kind of wished, you know, I, I, I sometimes feel like, yeah, I could, I could learn something from her, a thing or two from her now. So I need to tap back in to that five-year-old chopping her hair off. <laughs> was your mum annoyed no or was she... she wasn't she wasn't annoyed she found it hilarious she was I think she was a bit shocked but she actually loved it like my mum you know when I was in year seven she was a big advocate of like cutting my hair she was like I wanted to cut my hair into a bob and she was always very like yeah like she was very supportive she was like yeah like you should do it and then in hindsight like going into year seven with like basically a bowl cut was like not the best idea <laughs> But it's character building, you know. But yeah, she she loved it. She loved it. Have there been any hair disasters over the years? Um, oh, good question. Well, apart from apart from that one, um, <laughs> not. I don't think so. My hair is quite. Um, I now I tend to just leave it alone because it is quite a disaster. Like it's very. I have a lot. I have a lot of hair. It's very thick and it's it can get very very frizzy so literally if I try and do anything fun with it it just like freaks out and I I can't have any hairstyle that takes any upkeep like because I just can't I can't so I just leave it alone so there's no chance for any disasters because I literally I don't do anything with it I just get to touch it apart from a blow dry a blow dry is you know how how crazy I'll go that's blow dries fine. I really do um, like day that you were just this sort of fearless little thing running around yonking bits off your fringe. Like, is that so? You're like London born and bred. Yeah. Do you think maybe like I don't know? Do you think the sort of like because there's there's a difference between London kids and like country kids, and I think all of this sort of I think maybe when you're in London you're a bit more streetwise and maybe sort of run with different sort of crowds and stuff. Yeah. Do you think that sort of had a bit of a bearing on you being like a bit? I think there is just an energy when you're born in London and and just in London in general, like it's, you have to be quick. Like you have to be, it's busy. Like, you know, 
you have to kind of be like quick on your feet at times and you have to be kind of aware of your surroundings mm-hmm. and it's not just like you know and I think that does something to you like as a kid and you know when you're you know, when you're playing out and everything like everything like that I just feel like there is just like an energy mm. I mean it'll always be home for sure do you ever get in trouble much as a kid um I mean I, I wasn't like off the rails naughty but I was a little bit naughty like just a bit like quite cheeky and I would always always or at every parents evening it was like she's just she's a bit of a chatterbox she talks a bit too much we've had to set I mean it was literally every single year at every school um parents evening it was just like talks too much talks too much talks too much because I just and, and this is why I love podcasts and things because I love to chat like it nothing has changed so um yeah back when I wasn't allowed to it was very very difficult for me to shut up <laughs> did you channel that into like the performing like drama were you like a drama kid no I mean I did enjoy drama I and mean, I did drama at GCSE and a-, a level so I definitely um I liked that I think I just yeah like the whole like ex- expressing yourself and performing like I, I just always liked that and I always like you know as a kid I kind of liked that attention you know that performing gave me I've been an attention seeker you know since 1997 um and I I just I I liked that feeling and I think I think that's when you kind of know either when it didn't scare me to get up in front of a crowd and kind of like in assemblies at school and things like that I just I really enjoyed that so that was kind of a telltale sign to me that you know it was something that I was going to want to do when I was older yeah being in Kentish town you're around the corner from Amy Winehouse, Lily Allen was a North London Queens, girl. Yeah, and I, the mm. Hawley, which is a pub that like Amy Winehouse literally, that was her local and that's like just down the road from where I live. So I go there quite a lot and it's like, I think it definitely makes a difference when you're, you know, I'm not saying I ever bumped into her and we were drinking down the pub together, but <laughs> it's that energy and that's that. Um, and mm. I think also, you know, just in Camden, you've got like, the Roundhouse, you've got Coco, then you've got Kentish Town Forum, you've got Jazz Cafe, Electric Ballroom. Like, they are all incredibly, like, iconic venues. And that's literally within – that they're all within 10 minutes of each other, like 15 minutes of each other. So I think there is definitely a very, like, creative, fun, like, exciting energy, like, around here. And I've been really lucky to sort of grow up, like, within that. So at that time, were you writing a diary, perhaps? Uh, yes. I Well, <laughs> I have had many diaries in my time, but I was more of an avid diary entry person when I was younger, um, closer to the chop, the big chop time. <laughs> um, <laughs> the big chop. So the one that you have brought in, Groovy Chick, the original yeah. icon, I would say, uh, there's like Spice Girls and then she's the animated Spice Girls really isn't it? it absolutely yeah. is I wish I wish I had the physical diary with me now but I'm sure it's at my mum's and I have to go and find it and it is like I mean honestly reading this diary it is the most hilarious thing you'll ever see I'm like talking about nothing has changed I am talking about a different boy on every single page oh my god I love Jack he's my boyfriend next page oh my god Jordan I can't wait to marry Jordan when I'm older like literally boy crazy since the age of six like no joke 
Um, and it is just so funny when you think, you know, when you're younger, like everything is sort of what matters to you and what you think is important. Like it is just hilarious. And what are these entries? Yeah. Are they are they short entries? They're very short. <laughs> Like not, we're not, it's not giving like, you know, detailed and like thought provoking. It's literally like every single page. It's just like today, da, 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 da. next page, this happened. And then, da, 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 da. and then I, there was actually the odd song in there that I wrote. Oh, the first, first steps. Yeah. There was one song and this was when I was a little bit older. I was probably about seven or eight. I think, uh, and Florence and the Machine, who I am obsessed with, who I was very obsessed with when I was younger, and she had a song called My Boy Builds Coffins, and, you know, it's kind of very just Florence-esque in that, and, like, in that kind of fairy tale world that she creates, and I kind of tried to, like, copy that, and I wrote a song called My Boy's a Werewolf, and I was eight years old, and I sang about <laughs> my, my boyfriend turning into a werewolf at night, and, like, I, it, I was just reading it, and I was like, wow, her her brain like what's she going through <laughs> can you remember any of how it went no oh my god this is, <laughs> this is my, I need to find the diary if I if I go to my mum's and I'll I'll try and fish it out for you guys but it is honestly pretty hilarious and there was some page, there are some pages I know that which I'm so upset about that are ripped out so I'm like uh, damn I must have I don't know what's I don't know what happened there but I wish regretting it I'm regretting it now because I would like to see what they that said. was when Kevin clearly just went one step too far it just spurned you in a way yeah. that had to be erased yeah my completely. one my one day boyfriend was uh he did me wrong <laughs> I did grow out of it and then I did I when I was a bit older in secondary school I went back to the diary entry thing but it was a bit more grown up and like slightly more detailed and I would actually write an entry that was more than a page but um not as interesting really not as fun not as funny <laughs> was it like you transitioned from writing a diary to the songs being the diary um no I mean I think the diary thing was more of I, I, I it was more of like a hobby that I just kind of wanted to test out and obviously this is way more like I, I remember I was a big fan of um the diary of Anne Frank, which was obviously very like different, different vibes. Different. vibes. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Sorry, sorry, I know, I know, I know. But, but when I read that, <laughs> I was like, oh, I would love, I would love to <laughs> have um, like a, I don't know. Is that weird? I don't know. <laughs> sorry. I know. It's- <laughs> have you, have you ever read it, Lisa? I haven't. Um, yeah, I just don't think Anne, I've, I've never looked at Anne Frank's life and been like, I'd like a bit of that. That looks great. No, <laughs> and I didn't think that either. But I did. I loved how, you know, there was such a detailed like account of like all her like thoughts and feelings. And it was so beautifully written. So that's why the second time around I had a diary, I was like trying yeah. to be in my like writing bag. And I was like, I'm going to take it seriously. But that didn't, yes. um, it didn't last, didn't last very long. Um, but yeah, I think the music side and like songs, that was more of just like, that wasn't really like, oh, I'll just like write some, like that was more ongoing. Like that never really left me. But the diary, yeah. diary entries did. They were, they didn't, yeah. Diary entries. I often did. wonder with like, I was, I felt I was really lucky at school. We had like a little studio, like a cut, like a, you know, like a utility cupboard, tiny little studio where when we started bands we were age 13 that's where we'd try and record at lunchtime and I think like if you're a singer where do you start where did you start with that 
Um, I started by just um, I was sing. I would sing covers on YouTube, and they were so rubbish because I didn't play an instrument or anything. So it wasn't like those like actually good covers that like they're playing the guitar. Like no, I got some like rubbish like instrumental and would like play it on my laptop or something, and then like film myself and. I would sing and so I just I did that um I think my I think I got one of the videos got 3,000 views and that was like I thought I'd I thought I was famous I was like I've made it still pretty good you know I thought that was pretty good for back in the day I was like yes and then um you know I, I would sing in assemblies and like just little things like that but like very amateur and nothing crazy and then um I then in like 2017 I think it was I uploaded my first song on like soundcloud uh and then it kind of grew from there and i would upload snippets on instagram a lot of it was just like it was just like online stuff really like i didn't do the like open mic nights or like i didn't do busking it was very much sort of online and like trying to just get my voice out there someone reached out to me so they ended up being my manager for a few years and they had they were with this producer and they like the producer is amazing and I've I've worked with them now and they've like done singles but at that time they were just like you know I'm my boyfriend is this producer and he's done like x y and z and I was like oh my god this is real life like I've had someone contact me who can get me in the, in this actual studio with someone that's worked with like these amazing people I was like no way so that was really crazy when that happened and um we yeah and then we actually did get in the studio but it wasn't until like quite a while after because I was like my first studio session cannot be with like somebody that act like I have to have some practice. So um, mm. I sort of went around and just like kind of got my, just got my, like practice my writing a bit more, got into rooms with people that I felt a bit less, I guess, intimidated by because they were sort of just kind of did it for hobbies as well. And then, um, and then once I started sort of getting in those rooms where it was like, people had some serious credentials I wasn't as sort of scared anymore is that still like a place that you feel the most like like when you kind of think about the thing that you most enjoy out of this whole sort of pop star game is it is it the live show is it the songwriting is it kind of the bit before anyone knows and you're just sitting on this like special little song or you're in the studio and you're belting it out oh that's a good question. I, mine is definitely live shows like touring and like festivals and like headline shows just having people like sing your lyrics back to you I think that for me will always be my yeah. favorite I actually find songwriting like I I love it but I find it quite hard as in because for, for me there's nothing scary than like a blank page and so I always find like yeah. the start of it I mean I'm, and I'm sure that's the same for everyone but I'm always just like oh my god I've got to go into the studio and like I've got to write another one <laughs> and another oh, one and I'm like I know it's literally my job and it's like don't fucking complain like this is what you've been asking for your whole life and, and I'll never take it for granted but I think I prefer it when the songwriting part is actually done but there isn't actually not a feeling than writing a song that you're really really proud of or like writing a chorus that you're really proud of because once you've written the chorus for me you're like you're in and then you can just have yeah. verses and stuff but um I think for me yeah like touring is oh, I love it I love it so much did you have a friend or a sibling who introduced you to the more alternative side of music? I think my mum 
she actually kind of introduced me to like Lily Allen and I think she might have introduced me to Florence as well. I can't remember who who it was. It was one of those ones where it's like that I just remember I've just always kind of loved them. But um I know that my mum bought the All Right Still album while we were on holiday and yeah. it was like the soundtrack of a holiday and I I just I just loved it and I was too young to understand all the kind of subject matter but like I just loved the way she like was just so honest and like kind of shocking and smart and funny and I even as an eight-year-old I I kind of I felt like I really got it and I understood her and um so ever since then I've just been like yeah I want to do that there's a bit of Lily in your music for sure I think you can hear the hear the influence yeah, um, which brings us up, well, so the track that you chose for us today is a Florence one. So that was Cosmic Love, which I was looking up and I sort of forgot that was on, because like, her debut album was 14 years ago now, which just seems nuts that she's been around for so long. But that would have made you, what, like, 11? Something like that? Well, I... I, I... I thought I was younger, but maybe I was, maybe I was 11. I thought I was a bit younger than that. But yeah, I guess if it came out 14 years ago, I would, I would be, I don't even want to think about it. Do you remember the first time you heard Cosmic Love? I mean, it's, if, you know, this is, this is your song that's symbolic of your, of your growing up. Yes. What memories have you got attached to it? I remember it's because I was, reading at the same time I was reading the Twilight books and I was obsessed with the Twilight books and and I I I can't explain it to you but that song I was just I like while reading the Twilight books like that was the that was the soundtrack for those books in my head and like I just loved how visual how visual it was and like it was just it, th- those two things just went really, really hand in hand for me. And then I re- do remember my first sort of real heartbreak when I was like 13, you know, about a boy at school that I was like completely in love with. And I remember just listening to Cosmic Love at night in bed with my earphones, just like crying. But I, I felt like I was, you know, when it's like you're really giving into the cry and you're like, I felt like I was in a movie and I was like, <laughs> I'm so heartbroken oh my god <laughs> and that the song is so it's so intense and like epic and like kind of almost like not theatrical but just so yeah I, I, it really like allow sometimes when you're feeling sad you need something that's just gonna like suck a punch mm, you really up. just like more amp it up yeah yes. it validates it it validates the sadness it definitely does and, and I think sometimes like when you're feeling that way like you've just got to you know, almost like a purge and you've just got to get every last bit out. And if that means, you know, listening to something which is going to do that. But that was, I mean, yeah, that was my favourite song on that album and I, I still love it now. Have you met Florence? Oh my gosh, no, no. I would love to meet her, but I, I'd be very uh, nervous. But I would, I, I, I hope so one day. Um, you know, she's such a huge part of my childhood but also now like I think she's had such an amazing career and like what an incredible like creative genius she is and a great storyteller and even though like she's such an inspiration to me even though our music is like very quite different 
she her all I've always wanted my music to be really visual and like for people to be able to close their eyes and like really kind of like see it and I feel like I kind of I feel like I learned I learned that from her because that she's like the queen mm-hmm. of that um so yeah I don't know I'd I'd probably just scurry off like a little rat if I saw her I've heard that she's <laughs> lovely I'm sure she is I'd be so, I'd be so shocked if I'd heard any different and I've I've only heard that she is lovely but I don't know. Oh, it's scary. (laughs) Scary meeting your idols. Have you had any like really big moments where you've met like big inspirations yet? Yeah. When I met Lily, I met Lily Allen and it was a really surreal experience. My dad, I was out with my dad and he was, he had taken me somewhere to have a birthday breakfast. It was 2019 so a few years ago, but I'd done music, I, you know, I, I, I was in it kind of thing. And I had just announced that I was supporting Little Mix on tour, which was like a massive deal for me. So I was already feeling kind of like a bit mad. And I was, um, I was having breakfast with my dad and he was sort of, I was facing the room and he was like facing towards me. And, and then I just saw like down my vision that Lily was there and I literally looked and I looked at my dad and I was like, okay, obviously in like very dad fashion, I was like, don't look now, dad, do not look now. But Lily Allen is like sat behind you and he goes, he goes, where? And I was like, dad, look, stop looking. And um, obviously in my mind, like that's my hero. So I kind of caught eyes with her and she looked at me and she recognized me and she blew me a kiss. And I was like, I was like, no, this is not happening. And because um, it's one thing like kind of like coming across your hair and then them kind of recognizing you. I was like, no, I didn't. Obviously, I didn't want to bother her while she was like having her breakfast, whatever. So as she was getting up to leave and she was walking out, I was like, I have to I have to just go up to her and say something. So I went up to her and I was just like, I love you. <laughs> and I remember saying, you know, because I'm not very, I'm not very good at like, if I see someone I like, I'm usually, I just, I don't, but I just, I had to say something and I just said, you know, she was like, oh, congratulations on everything. You're doing really well. And I was just like, oh, thank you so much. And I said, you know, I have to thank you because if it wasn't for you, like I probably wouldn't be doing any of this. And I genuinely like believe that. And I still believe that now that without her music, like I really don't think I would um, have kind of written the songs that I had or written the songs that kind of got me you know, to the mm. place I am. So I had to sort of fangirl for a second. What did she Got say? Oh, she was very just like, oh no, like, don't be silly kind of thing. And I was just like, no, <laughs> I'm being serious. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I didn't, and then, you know, I, I didn't want to like be one of those like cr- crazy people. So I just said, that's all I had to, you know, I just wanted to say hi. And so then, yeah, and then she left, but it was very, it was a very nice, you know, full circle moment for sure. Well, Florence and Lily, those are two pretty great people to look towards musically, lyrically, visually. Yes. No, I mean, I'm very, I feel like I'm even just lucky to be born at the right time where they they could be my, like, (laughs) they could be my inspirations, you know. And also you mentioned Little Mix there. I mean, that's a pretty nuts thing to have done when you were, I mean, what? Yeah. If, if that was five years ago now, that would have still been sort of relatively at the start of things kicking up a gear. Yes. Like, did that feel like? It was crazy because it was like now thinking back, like it, that was pretty early on. You know, I think I'd only been doing it for like maybe just over like 
maybe like a year, a year and a half. So to have then be, to be going on like a 32 arena show, it was like, that was such an amazing experience. And I learned so much and they were really lovely. And, and to watch them, you know, they're such amazing performers and they work really hard. Mm -hmm. So seeing that, being around that was amazing. And um, I just, I, I, I just, I kind of, you know, you have to learn like on this job. And, I, and I'd done two headline shows by that point, but they were like, you know, I, the biggest capa- capacity was like 300 people. So mm. it was going from that to, you know, arenas. And you, I had to just, I was like, I'm either going to like, what was it like fall or fly. And so I just, but I was surprised by how kind of quickly I picked it up. And the first show you can see there's like footage of me and I'm literally like behind the curtain, like shaking like a leaf. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And then by the third show, I'm like, woo, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it just, by then I really knew I was like, okay, like this is what I'm meant to do. Like this is, this is where I feel comfortable. Like I feel like I'm in my, I'm in the swing. Did they give you any advice while you were on the tour? They were basically, it sounds really simple, but they were just like, enjoy it, like enjoy every moment and not just of this tour, but just of your experience because it's, you know, it, it, it will go by and you, you don't want to get to, you know, wherever and be like, oh, I wish I'd been more present and enjoyed it a bit more. And I think that's still so relevant now, just in life as well. So it was definitely very good advice. What I guess you see in like a documentary or those behind the scenes things and stuff, but it's maybe not the glitzy bit. It's like just how much work goes into those shows. And it's, you know, the whole like it takes a village to sort yeah. of make these things like no definitely as a 21 year old or whatever that's quite a big thing to sort of get it's not just I've got to step out on stage in front of loads of people it's like oh my god like I've got to you know be healthy and do the and not go to Hampstead Heath and drink loads of Glens every night because I've got to go on stage the next day and be like resting. Nah, I still do that I mean yeah I still did some questionable thing I, I remember in Newcastle on the tour and I got you know there was two support acts me and um a a band and we all went out one night and we got a little bit drunk and I fell and we had we had a show the next day and I and I was so lucky I was messing about and I fell on the pavement like flat on my face like landed on my face and I and I chipped my front tooth but like not chipped not not chipped like I, I I cracked it but like nothing severe it, it it hurt and I thought oh my god have I just knocked my tooth out but it just left a little mark on my tooth and I, and I was like oh my god you idiot like this is like the biggest thing you've done and you almost <laughs> knocked your front tooth out you've got a show tomorrow so I definitely you know did some silly things but I guess that's all part of it and you're you know you're still grow- you know I was still I was still a kid and I was still growing up and learning. And I guess I'm still learning now, but you have to, you've got to learn on the job sometimes. Before they knew better. Well. Wow. Stunning. Some good life lessons. Some maybe things um, that we wouldn't advise. <laughs> that was May Muller. Uh, she was wonderful. Yeah, she was fun. Um, here's a little raise, raise a glass of Glens. Mm-hmm. 
to the wonderful Mae Muller. Uh, and we will see you next week for another episode of Before They Knew Better with DIY Magazine. And in the meantime, maybe you could give us a like. Maybe you could mm. press subscribe so that you get this podcast straight into your inbox as soon as it's released. Maybe if you are feeling really nice, you might even give us a little rating or review on whichever podcast platform you listen to this on. That'd be nice. So, thank you, May Muller. Thank you for listening, and we will see you again next week. Don't forget to pick up the latest issue of DIY Magazine with the cover feature, Laura Mayberry from Churches. She gives us the lowdown from her latest US tour and her new album. Pick it up at DIYMag.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock in Rio Lisboa, the sister event to Brazil's iconic music festival Rock in Rio. The Portuguese leg of the event is set to celebrate its 20th anniversary with one of its biggest editions yet and over 80,000 attendees across its four days, of which some of them could be you. Taking place over two weekends this June, some of music's biggest names will be taking to the stage in Lisbon. We're talking Ed Sheeran, we're talking Doja Cat, even the Jonas Brothers are getting in on the action. And and with each day specially curated by genre, there's literally something for everyone. I went to the town in Rio last year, which is curated by the same people as Rock in Rio. And it was, I'm going to say, one of the wildest festivals I've ever been to. This year's Rock in Rio Lisboa takes place on the 15th, 16th, 21st and 22nd of June. And tickets can be purchased now via their website, rockinriolisboa.pt.